0: We are back with an NEC On The Run podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. We'll have some summer hoops talk, almost summer, and dying to talk uh, basketball. And we are excited to be joined by the latest addition to the NEC Coaching Fraternity. Welcome to Pat Sellers, <clears throat> excuse me, who has returned to his alma mater, take over the program at CCSU. Welcome back, Pat.
1: Hey, happy to be back. Thanks for having me on excited to get started here.
0: All right so this is your third stint. We'll get right into it. Your third stint in New Britain. You were a student athlete. You're an assistant yeah. coach. Now you're the head coach. What is it like being first of all what's it like being back on campus 20 years later from when you <laughs> left and then 30 years since you first stepped foot on campus?
1: Yeah you know campus is you know so different now. My, I was just talking to uh, the compliance director yesterday. My dorm is now a singles dorm. And I didn't even realize we didn't have air conditioning. So that dorm doesn't have, it still doesn't have air conditioning. I'm like, wow, I'll, I'll survive without any air conditioning. So <laughs> now campus has changed so much. The, uh, there was a, a, you could drive through campus, the middle of campus when I was here as a player and they have shut that off. And it's like a real picturesque walk, walkway. Uh, student center is really nice. And, Added a new cafeteria, a lot of new dorms, so it's a really nice place to be.
0: That's great to hear. Uh, so let's go back to when you first arrived on campus, uh, as a student athlete. What what was the road that led you to central Connecticut when you're in high school?
1: Uh, you know, I went to high school down south in South Carolina, and my, most of my family's in New York City, so we would come up every summer. In, in New York and hang out, and so I would, I said, if there's an opportunity to go up north and go to school, I wouldn't mind doing it. And I, at the time, Charleston Southern was recruiting me. Winthrop College, Winthrop University were recruiting me. Indiana State and Central Connecticut. And uh, Dave Ribzik, who was an assistant coach here, got my name from some scouting service, and he called. And honestly, at the time, Central Connecticut had just won Division One a couple of years before. They had a schedule that was unbelievable. They went to Hawaii, California, Texas, all these different places. They were independent. That's old school for the young the young listeners. who we were independent. And I was like, man, what a schedule. I wouldn't mind going to all these different places. So I came up for an official visit. It was a nice sunny day, warm weather. And I ended up, I and mean, it was only a couple hours from New York City, so I ended up uh, signing a scholarship here. And then that's where I ended up here. And it was been a great place for me part of my life big part of my life
0: i know as a freshman you only played a few games under um bill dietrich who's the bona fide legend on this central campus the gym is named after him the arena i uh, won 468 games what was he like
1: so yeah coach d so like coach ribs you know say hey, you're gonna meet coach dietrich blah, blah blah he's gonna be great you know hall of fame coach a division two legend coach, and you now he's, he's moving up to division one. So, when I got him, when I got here. He was, you know, I was just like, Man, this is a big time. It was a whole nother level for me because I came from a high school. My high school coach was a six, eight former basketball player, big guy, tough guy. And I get the coach Dietrich, and it was just like a, he opened a whole new world to me, he was teaching me something every day. Like, uh, I was so. I, my game was so based on athleticism. And I got here and Coach Dietrich taught me basketball. And so that, that little stint I had with Coach Dietrich was huge. And his staff, Coach Coach Revzik and CJ Jones, who was later on the uh, athletic director, those guys put so – I learned so much basketball in that, in that time frame with those guys. It, it just opened my eyes to a whole new world about basketball.
0: So – as you moved on in your career, first of all, I saw you play a few times. I was at Brooklyn college when they were D one. So I, you played them a few times. I actually came up to new Britain, did radio for a game uh, up in Dietrich gym. Um, back in the day when Mike Brown was coaching. That's right. So I saw you guys like Kevin Swan and Damian Johnson and Mark, right. Mark Ripchick, all, you know, you did some good players on the team. And um, I also knew Mike from when he took over as head coach at Hunter college. I was the SID there. Now, that guy's different. Like, he's just built different. What did you take? You played for Mike for three years. What, what was that like?
1: Yeah, Coach, coach Brown, I, when I got the job at Fairfield a couple of years ago, Coach Brown lives in uh, Fairfield. So he came over, sat down, we talked a while. I mean, it's was great. Um, in the three years I was at Coach Brown, you know, he, had come from, he came from Seton Hall. They were really successful. He was a big-time recruiter. He coached all over the country. So when he came in, he kind of brought that, that big east, that big time feel to the program. Like he was, he was a guy we saw on TV all the time. And now this guy's coaching us. So we were sort of in awe of having Coach mine as a coach. Um Dennis Jackson was one of the assistants along with Coach Ridge. So Coach Jackson, uh, remember five star was big time, and Coach Jackson was big time at five star, the Sandman. so those guys brought up a, a Big time, a high major college feel to the program. Uh we we played at USC and there was, was a doubleheader. It was us versus USC. And the second game was Golden State versus the Clippers. And we're in the locker room after the game. And I mean, every Clipper and every warrior would come in, Coach Jackson, hey, what's going on, Coach Brown? And we were just in awe, like these guys don't these NBA guys. So he bought a uh Big time field to the program. Coach Coach Brown is a is a runner. He runs a lot and he still runs. So during his we the preseason conditioning opened our eyes up to running because we had to be up at 6 a.m. and we'd be running five, six miles at a time. And you know, a bunch of 18-year-olds. We did not like that, but we we he he taught us a lot of toughness. He gave us that uh that little swag, that little edge. And he gave us an inside look of what it was like to be at like, one of those high major programs and the work we had to put in.
0: Yeah, I think I remember, I think when you were, I don't know if you are junior or senior, you, Mike went running gun for a while. Like yes. you guys were trying to drop a hundred. I, I remember St. John's game watching because I lived in the New York area and they dropped, I think, 130 points on you. But you had you had a hundred yourself. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that was uh, so. Loyal LeMarin, remember Loyal LeMarin? Yeah. With uh, Bro Kimball, Hank Gathers, and those guys, they ran. We tried to run that system. So we put that system in, and that St. John's game, I'll never forget. I I started, I was starting like four man and I was, I was in the back end of the press, and we were pressing like crazy. We got Malik Silly coming out and dunking on one end, and Robert <laughs> Dan, and all these guys. I'm like, oh my God. So they put, I think they scored and. 35 points, and we had something like 120. It was just an up-and-down game. It was crazy. Uh, and I think Malik had 43 points in that game. So uh, it was – we we did experiment, experiment with it because we had uh, Mark Rivers who could really shoot. Yeah, yeah. And we had Scott Whedon who was a really good shooter too. So we tried to get up and down and increase the pace. The, the, part, the hard part for us was we didn't defend. So we didn't, we didn't make the defensive end a priority, and uh, that was what led to the downfall. But we, uh, we, we did put a lot of effort into trying to run that, uh, that loyal miramo system.
0: Uh, let's move on to your coaching career now. So in 1999, you're back at Central Connecticut as an assistant under Howie Dickerman. How did that all come up, uh, apart? I mean, how did that happen?
1: Well, so after college, I, I, play in, I go play in Europe. I played in England for a couple of years. And uh, when I came back, Jerry Digorio, who was uh, the head coach at Rhode Island, coaching the NBA, Jerry hired me as a, as a JV coach on his high school team. And the, and the team is in New Britain, Connecticut. So I'm back where Central Connecticut is. So Steve Peiko, who played with my brother at UConn, was Coach Dickman's assistant. So he, and Pat, and I knew him from back at his UConn days, Pat. You're welcome to come to practice anytime, come to the game, be a part of it. You know, your alumni we want you to be a part of it. So I would come over all the time for practice, just like get notes, get their practice plan, because I wanted to add it to what we were doing at St. Thomas Aquinas. And during that time, I, you know, I, I knew, I've known Steve Piker forever. And we were like pretty tight when right? he was in college. He's like a year old. So Pikes is like, uh, Hey, we're gonna have somebody's leaving the, the program, one of the guys on staff to leave. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you in. Just stay patient. I'll get you on with Coach D. And I was also coaching AAU with at Gary Charles and the New York Panthers. So it like uh, one of the coaches took another job. He brings me in. Coach D recruited my brother at UConn, so he knew my family, he knew who I was, he knew everything about me. So it was sort of like I came in, interviewed. So I'm gonna give you this opportunity. Here it is. And basically, I, he gave me a Tom Kinchowski scouting report. All right, go find some players. And that was my introduction to college basketball. And uh and, and you know, I've been here ever since. So
0: you couldn't have picked a better year to join that staff, like how he had built the foundation. That team was ready to pop pretty big right. at that point. So yep. let's go through that team because this is when I, I had first started, and, and I love this team. So you had Rick Mickens, who's a Player of the Year. That guy's right. one of the, probably doesn't get talked enough as one of the best players that's played in this league. Okay, right? Uh, Corsley Edwards, the best big man this league has seen in the last twenty plus years. Right. You got John, you got John Tice, like a pit bull out there, but skilled. Yep. You got Dean Walker, smooth as silk. Victor Payne yep. is doing the dirty work. Right. Uh, Brookins is like the the glue guy out there. So you have all this talent. You win 15 in a row at one point. You go down to Trenton. You win the title there. Go to the NCAs. We'll get to that in a minute. But how was the chemistry like on that team and in your introduction to collegiate coaching?
1: I mean, it was so we So Anthony Latino, who's at Sacred Heart, Anthony and I get hired at the same time. Um, always, always bust Anthony's chops. Uh, Mike Logan Barty, who's an NBA coach, was going for Anthony's spot. And Anthony beat him out. And now Mike's like been in the NBA forever. But uh, so Anthony and I, we get the job together. We're, we share the same office. And we're, we're in practice in the workouts. And we're like, man, these guys, these guys are good. I mean, we, Anthony had been coaching college. And this is my first time in college. So he was like, Pat. You don't really walk into a situation like this, man. You know we're lucky to be in such a, a situation with these guys because, I mean, these guys were hardworking guys, no maintenance, clad. They did their classwork. They were, like they were veterans, like you said, they were ready to pop. And we just got handed a gift. Basically, I was handed a gift. And I remember, you know, I, I think I told a story. To somebody, Anthony. Anthony and I are sitting in the, lock, in the office when day. We're talking, and I'm like, hey, man, I look at the schedule. I think we're going to be 22 and five. And we go and we, we tell uh, during our coaches' meeting, I said, Anthony says, hey, Pat, so we're going to be 22 and five. He said, I agree. And Pyco looks at us like, but you guys crazy. It's hard to win in this league, <laughs> hard to win in Division One, But we I, we literally go 22 and five, and then we win the three games and end up being 25 and six. So, uh, I mean, what a, Uh, I was talking about Luck. And then, like, Rick Mickens, like you said, I agree with you. I don't think people talk about him enough. This guy was one of – I mean, he – all he had was Division II offers. He came here and just worked himself into a player. Um, I I remember his last game in senior year, we played at Sacred Heart. I think he had 36 points, kind of solidified his MVP uh, player of the year or race. He, He was incredible. And then Quausley, Causeley came here as a freshman, 6'9, 320 pounds and fat and out of shape. And he lost 60 pounds in like a year and some change. So he gets he goes 6'9, 260, and now he's like losing another human being almost. And he becomes like a player of the year candidate and, you know, like an NBA draft pick, played in the NBA some and played in Europe and Asia. And then like you said, Dean Walker. Dean Walker came here and then didn't say a word, just came, went out and played all the time. And I, I still say John Tice. John Tice is probably one of the toughest guys I've ever coached yeah, in my career. He's absolutely. a tough guy, man. Big time guy. Tomas Brookins, uh, Brian Finley, Victor Payne, all those guys. We, we, we still keep in touch. And I'm trying, I'm like, one of my things is I'm gonna try and get that team back at some point this year to kind of to that team. That team was amazing.
0: They were amazing. So you went, you go to NCAs, you go out to Minneapolis. I was at this game. You flipped the crowd pretty much in the second half. You guys make a comeback and you have on Iowa state team on the ropes with, you know, Marcus Pfizer and Jamal Tinsley, like NBA stars there. What was going into that game? Just as an aside, was the coach was Howie's mindset that we can win this game before it even started, or did that belief come as the game went on that we can actually come and take this team, this number two
1: seed? I, I'll, I'll never forget this. We're we're before the game, um, like we we really thought we were good because I mean Rick Mickens and Kauzey Edwards, like you just don't get those guys in, in this league like that. So we thought we like, we felt like a high major team. And before the game, you know, I'm so excited. This first NCAA tournament game, Coach D says to the guys in the uh locker room, or the night before the game, fellas, you're probably gonna, you're gonna start running out of the out of the locker room. The crowd's gonna be doing this and that. You're gonna have cotton mouth, you're gonna get tired really quick. He's like, just relax, calm down. We're gonna stick with it. They're gonna come out, make an initial push, and then we're gonna come back. And when we come back, watch the crowd turn in our favor. So he told the team exactly what was gonna happen before the game, the night before the game. And those we came out, we were nervous. We were down 17 in the first half. We make a little run. And I think Tomas Bookins said a half court three off the backboard to to, to cut the 12 a half time or something like that. And we go in the locker room celebrating because we're like, we got it to 12. And we come out in the second half and John Tice just went. I mean, he made threes, made shots, he made tough plays. All these guys were really so locked in. We tied a game with, I think, six minutes to go with a chance with the ball back. And Tice was cooked. He was, we, we couldn't get him out of the game because he brought us back, but we we, we couldn't get a minute for him to get a break. So uh, we get the ball, we, we take a tough shot, contest the shot, I think. And then they came down, I think uh, Tinsley hit a three. And The whole game, our game plan, we was going under Tennessee's ball screens because he wasn't a great three point shooter. Makes a three, and he steals an inbound pass and lays it up, so we go just back to five like that. So, but well, that was a great game. I mean, our, the fans, our fans, and the fans like the other teams' fans were like the atmosphere was great. It was a, uh, I thought we had a shot to win that game. We were really close.
0: Yeah, it was it was exciting for sure. So at this point. Um, you know, Howie was really at the top of his game at this point as, as a yep. head coach. He was really locked in. Honestly, I was kind of scared of him back in the day. Like we, <laughs> was. we you know, he, he was no <laughs> nonsense. We had a banquet at Wagner um in one of those years where we played the first couple rounds there. And you had went 19 and one. It was that's the second team that won it all. That team was yep. amazing, too. And uh, I congratulated, and we were walking somewhere from like room to room, and I said, "Hey, Howie, like congrats, great season." And he just looked at me and he said, "The season's not over, Ron." And he walked away from me, <laughs> and I was, I was like, "That's that's like you know prime Howie right there." Exactly. And um, how intense, you know, was he on a day-to-day basis, and how was he able to bring the best out of you as a coach, and then the student athletes as well?
1: Yeah, he, uh, you know, I, I said this. Like, to this day, I, I thank him all the time. Because my first time, like I tell you, he put the Tom Kachowski thing on my desk. All right, go get players. Find some players. And, you know, I would come in, hey, coach, player, A, who's this, he's that? And he was like, oh, what's this guy that's going to his? Oh, what's his coach? What's his favorite food? Like, he wanted, you needed, you needed to know everything. And I learned, that was the way I learned. I learned how to, when you're recruiting a guy, you got to get every single detail. So to this day, I'm still the same way because of Coach D. And the same thing on the court, X's and O's. And when we were doing the scouting report, we had to try to know everything that the other teams was doing. And then we had to do it. We had to shape it in a way where you're only going to have about 20 minutes to put what, you, what they're going to run in, and you got to get it, through it quick because he wanted to always concentrate on us and not the other team so much. So a lot of this stuff we did – that he taught me from day one, I still use this day and apply it. Um, and then working out, working guys out and all the stuff we did workout-wise, I still use a lot of the stuff we did with the big guys back when I started with Coach D. I still use it for this day. It's still applicable. So, I learned so much from him. And like you said, he was just really, really intense. So, uh, we were there, were, there were times where, like, every day I would get the New York Post, stop at Dunkin' Donuts, get a T, New York Post. I come in early and I'm reading the post real quick before I get going. And when Coach diva walk into the office, I'm putting the post into my desk. <laughs> I got to do something because he's going to be all over you. So, I mean, he, just, he was just an intense, intense guy. But it brought the best out of you. And it brought the best out of the players. Our players were the same way. They were always like on point. Everything, they were on top of their game because he kept you that and my, and my brother, who played at UConn with Coach Calhoun, and Coach D worked with the big guys, to this day calls Coach D on his birthday. calls loves him to death because he, he always said, Coach D told us the story. In his whole career coaching, he's never taken a phone call during practice. So except one time, my brother signed his first professional contract in Greece, and he called Coach D and UConn was in practice. And Coach D was a uh, secretary came out and said, Coach, Rod Sellers is on the phone. and wanted to talk to you. And he left practice to take the call because he just wanted to thank him. He said, Coach, I signed this big contract. I ordered order you or whatever. So that's the kind of guy he is. And He just pushes everybody. In. That's why this team – that's why this program, this team, was so good.
0: Yep, Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about, you mentioned some of the names before, some of the assistants that you you worked with. So like an all-star lineup here, we got Anthony Messina Sacred Heart with Steve Peichel, Rutgers, and Chris Casey, in Niagara, uh, all went on to be head coaches. That's that's quite a think tank that Howie assembled at, at one time. What was it like working with that group? And did you see this sort of star potential in your colleagues that you work with on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I will go back, going back to Coach D. It's it's, it's him. It was it was him. He was the uh he was the, the, the guy who the catalyst who started everything. So when we got here, Anthony and I got here, Pikes have been here for three or four years already. So Pikes was so sharp and on his game from working with Coach D. So everything coach taught us or Pikes would give us, it was Pikes was on his game. So I knew Pikes was gonna be our head coach. You just saw it because he he was on top of everything. And then when Steve left, Chris Casey came in. And Chris Casey was a grad assistant when I played on the, when I played back with uh with Coach Dietrich. So Case was a grad assistant. So Case had, had been coaching for a while. He was experienced. So he came in and he gave us a new look on everything, a new outlook. Because all we know, like Anthony and I was young, we were just trying to learn everything. And Case came in and he was a really, really good defensive coach. So we'd be in the office every day, and it was a clinic listening to Case talk about what we should do on defense. And he was telling Coach D and this and that. Anthony, I was just you know so, soaking it in, and I knew Case was going to be a great head coach too. Uh, and then Anthony, Anthony was here like he came in with me, and he had the opportunity to, to go leave here, go to Sacred Heart, and like be like the associate head coach of like one of the top guys. So he took that opportunity and ended up, you know, getting a head job. So, you know, those guys, the guys I worked with here were uh, great guys, all hard workers. I think, you know, if you work for Coach D, he prepares you for everything. You know, like speaking of case, I'll never forget this, that that the season, the 19-1 season, um, one game we lost, we lost to uh, St. Francis Brooklyn. I'll never forget it. At home, First game of the of the of the conference, they came in our building and made 14 threes. They crushed us at home. The next morning, saw a case, uh, myself and Anthony, we stayed here to probably 2:33 in the morning, watch breaking down the film and everything like that. We got everything prepared. So the next morning, I probably, we all probably got in like, I want to say 7.30, 8 o'clock after leaving at 3. Coach D's already here he had uh, letters typed out for each of us, each of the coaches. And the the topic of the letter was questions to ponder. (laughs) To this day, we still talk about questions to ponder. So the questions to ponder led to 19 straight wins after those questions to ponder. Unbelievable.
0: All it took was 14 threes made. Yeah. (laughs) I remember a coach saying at one point, we're playing too much. Uh, one game they lost. He said, we played too much hope defense. Like, I hope it doesn't go in. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right.
1: Oh, uh, he had the best one-liners. Yes.
0: Uh, so but so before we move on to the next phase of your career, let's let's settle a little debate here. So that 2001-02 team, you said they were 19-1 in the league. You guys ranked at the end of the year a 53rd in the RPI. You got a crummy draw against Pitt. Playing right. Pitt in Pittsburgh, which in is Pittsburgh. ridiculous. I, it right. still gets me angry to this day. Well, let's settle the debate: 2000 versus 2002 Central. Who wins
1: the game? We said we talk. That's a big topic every time we get together. We talk about it all the time. That team, uh, that 2000, that uh, 2000 team with Rick Mickens and those guys. That's a special team. I, I don't know the, the 2000, the, the one with uh, Ron Robinson and Kors and that that crew. Ron was a different animal. He, Ron was better than Victor Payne. But I just think something about that first championship team, I just think they, they will find a way to beat the second championship team.
0: All right, there it goes. We've settled it. 2,000 wins. I'll ask Latina, and we'll see if we can get a consensus going here. Right, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so after Central, you move on to UMass. And then over the next 17 or so years, you make seven stops along the way as an assistant. Um, life in a, life of an uh, assistant coach is can be like a nomadic existence. Yeah. You're going from town to town. The job security is not, is not there. You're moving all over the country. How much do you – my question to you is, how much do you need to love the game to continue to do that in pursuit of your ultimate goal of being a head coach?
1: Yeah, so with me, like these guys, like the guys I work with, the co- the players, are coach, again, like you can, if you can ask those guys to a man and say, Hey, uh, what's Coach Sellers like? They're probably going to say at some point, he loves basketball. So you have to love it to, uh, like, you know, i go to China, you know, i go to Omaha, Chicago, I've been all over the place, but you know, it's a, it's something you love. So like, I could, I would be happy coaching high school in Alaska just cause I like being, I like the game so much. Um, You know, at Fairfield, uh, we had a – we were watching film one day or whatever, and uh, Coach Young asked one of the guys something. You know, we didn't play well the night before, whatever. He asked one of the guys something. The guy had a smart comment, and so he um, basically got mad and threw the team out of film. All right, you guys get out of here whatever. We're coming back later on tonight. So – I go kind of grab guys together and I'm like, hey, man, you guys, we got to get this thing together, man. We got a good team, we got a good situation here. You guys got to, you know, I'm trying to pump them up, whatever. And then I was telling these guys, I said, fellas, I was like, I could hit Lotto tomorrow for $300 million. I said, you know what I'm going to be doing? I said, I'm not going to be on some vacation or whatever. I'm going to be trying to sign up for the Lakers. I'm trying to buy a piece of the Lakers and play for the Lakers and they're cracking up laughing. I was like, because I love basketball. So, like all of these that you get, you have to love it to go to do all the places I've been or whatever and stay with it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. I, I love the game.
0: So let's talk about um, I have listed out some of your stops after Central is UMass, UConn, Hofstra, Creighton, DePaul, FDU. And then Fairfield. Let's talk after you, just for a second, before we get to your, you know, coming back to Central. That again, you walked into a situation where you got a team loaded with talent. That team was really good. Yep. Um, you know, you you win the NEC championship that year, you go on playing the uh, NCA's, win an NCA tournament game. Yep. Um, what was your experience like with Coach Herenda and the Knights? Oh
1: uh, man, you know, like I was literally probably going to take a, a scouting NBA job and stay in Chicago. And, uh, and coach Arenda calls me and like, we have known each other forever. And I'm like, Oh man, opportunity to come out here and co- like coach, I love to be on the floor. So scouting, I mean, uh, coaching is way better than scouting. So I come out, he said, come out and take a look at our, um, my woman and uh, blue scrimmage. So I go to the, go to the, 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 the scrimmage. And I'm like, geez, these guys play hard and they're good. And I'm like, uh, oh, he said, Pat, what do you think? I said, and you guys, these guys play hard, man. So I love to be a part of it. So I take the job, come to Jersey. And like you said, I, I coming to a situation where they're loaded with talent. And all, just, just like that Central Connecticut team, all really good kids. Like guys who, like they're basketball guys. So no maintenance, nobody getting in trouble, just good basketball. And, uh, we get there, and I still say to this day, now I've coached in the final four, and I've been in some part of some big time NCAA tournament games and NEC championship games. I think the best, the most fun game I've ever coached in college was that playing game versus Perry. We were down 13, co- I mean, an amazing crowd, and we come back in the second half, and just the energy and the atmosphere. I mean, it was a great. That that was was probably one of the best games I've been a part of. It was a fun game. So, uh, you know, with with Coach Horenda really, really taught me how to run a program, like NEC program, how to get the the alumni guys involved, how to get the players juiced up about it, you know, how to get the the fans and everything. He would call the baseball coaches and get the baseball player. We would have some of the baseball players the captain of the baseball team or whatever, come into the locker room before the game and talk to us because he wanted the baseball guys engaged during the game that, to get the crowd hyped up. So he he was just he's, – he's really, really good at, at – you know you, you know him. He's a, a funny guy, high energy, whatever, and he's really good at just getting everybody engaged. So that, that those two years were great. You know, only thing I regret – we I thought we, we could have won it the first year I was in. We were so loaded – we could have probably won our first year, but our second year, a lot of fun winning that championship.
0: Yeah, no, well, that team will go down. That's one of the, the the better NEC championship teams, and the the Jaleel Jenkins and the Darnell Edges and the Mike Holloways. They they're going to go as you know like one of the really good groups that stayed together for, for, right. for yep. four years. Yep. So it was it was a yeah, exciting and, and, time. and again,
1: Coach is great at like keeping those guys. Like you know how the common is now, guys leaving right and left, and he kept those guys together, which is a testament to him.
0: Absolutely. So when you came back to the NEC, were there any noticeable differences in the conference from when you left to when you returned? Did the NEC changed at all?
1: Uh, To me, you know, it feels like the the game is faster. Like it's, it's, you know, I was was recruiting, talking to guys. It's a guard-oriented league. So it's a lot of quick, fast athletic guards. And so I think the game in this league is faster than the, the, the leagues I've been in in the past. Even in the old NEC when I was here before, I think it's faster. I think uh, like the coaching guys, you know, game plan a little bit different now. And then the game has changed the game, you know, with the hand check rules and the guys shooting threes now. So it's a, uh, it's a real, it's a fun, this league is a fun league to like watch. Like, you know, I'm, like I would say, some of these big TV networks should try to get some of these games on because it's like True TV or somebody should get into it because it's a fun league to watch and I think the fans would be all over the if They saw it on a national stage.
0: I like where you went with that. I agree with you. Let's go True TV. It's time to okay. pony up. We get some NEC hoops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>